0: It's been a great evening has not it man do you understand i know you do probably but something like this doesn't just happen uh i mean pastor and joy and kenny and becky are to be thanked i've got a feeling they're the brain behind all this and i know other people helped them serve but uh you know you, you go to something like this and you just kind of think it happens it doesn't just happen i've been around long enough to know that it takes a lot of think time and a lot of work time and and those games i mean you know those are those are amazing i mean uh i love good games the, the best game sharing and we we when we go to a couple's retreats like this we take notes all right and so we carry it back to home and tell the folks that do all the work what they ought to do and um and so uh uh we uh the hardest game we've ever played at a couples retreat, the hardest, without a doubt, we were with a church over in the western part of our state, we were in Tennessee, and when Sharon and I got to the room we were meeting, we were in a, in a hotel setting, like you usually are, and um, they wouldn't let us go in, you know, they said, we just need you to sit, stand right out here just a few minutes, so I'm thinking, what in the world is about to happen? So in a few minutes, they let us go in, and there are ten ladies standing over here and ten men over here. And our responsibility is to match the husbands and the wives. They said, we want you to pick out which man goes with which woman. Church that, well, we'd been to, but only to a funeral. So um, we knew we knew two couples there, three couples there, and none of them were up there. Uh, But the first two couples we put together were correct. And so you could tell in the crowd they were trying not to go, oh, you know, the next eight, we didn't get any of them. (laughs) And, you know, some people just don't match their husband and wife. You ever notice that, you know? I mean you wouldn't put me with Sharon if you just looked at us out here in a crowd, you think he doesn't deserve that. But anyway, you know, it just, you know, you just wouldn't wouldn't do that. And uh that's the hardest game we've ever played at a couple's retreat. Now, uh we like games, we enjoy games. I was a youth pastor, I was a children's I was a children's pastor five years, I was a youth pastor eleven and a half years. So I played about every game there is to play, and um and you know, but I, I always I always like these questions. We didn't sit together tonight because she's watching the baby. We usually sit together and we usually tell each other what we would say in case we get called up for one of those things. You know, what would you have said? What would you have but they're always interesting uh, because uh, do, do, do any of you remember? I think where that game came from is what used to be called the newlywed game. You, 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 okay, so several of you remember the newlywed game. I, I remember watching uh, the newlywed game. Bob Eubanks, I think was his name. And, uh, and he was so good. He, he, he just emceed that thing so well. And I remember watching one night uh, when I was just a kid. I don't know how old I was, 10, 12 years age. And uh, watching this game. And they were all second marriages. They'd all been widowed and had remarried. And so they were all. I don't know. Uh, of course, I thought they were ancient back then. They may have been in their fifties. <laughs> you know, they may have been really young, young kids. Uh, but uh, you know, I I sat there and watched it. And and one of the questions was, "Who was president when your wife was born?" I'll never forget as long as I live. Got to this couple. And he said, "You remember they had those? Their cards were real big, and they sat beside each other." He said, "President Lincoln." She took that and began to beat him on the head because uh, she, he had said she he said President Lincoln. So I, I really knew that was not the right answer if I ever got called on that question. So, but uh, anyway, it's just been a great time. We've had a wonderful day, and uh, thank you so much for being so receptive. You're so easy to. To, um, to speak to, preach to, whatever I'm doing, teach, you know, whatever I'm doing. Uh, you know, you, you just really are. You're easy, and uh, this morning probably too easy because I probably went too long. And, um, and so I'll try not to do that tonight. I'll try my best to get you out of here before midnight. And uh, <laughs> No, I'm chucking. If we're not out of here by midnight, you slip out quietly and let me live in my world, okay? All right, and uh, everything will be all right. But, uh, but anyway, we just had a had a great morning. Have you? you did you hear about the woman who asked her husband, I, "If I die, are you going to get married again?" And he looked at her and said, "Well, well, of course not. Oh, you don't like being married? Well, well yeah, I love being married, but..." You know, if you die, oh, I see, okay. Well, you would? He said, well, I mean, well, I reckon really probably I would, but I wasn't going to tell you. Would she sleep in my bed? He said, well, I, I figure that's where we'll sleep, sleep the same bed. Would she use my closet? He said, well, yeah, your closet's bigger than my closet, and so we let her. Would she use my golf clubs? He said, no, she's left-handed. <laughs> oh, anyway. <laughs> All right, but anyway, <laughs> some of you will get that later. Okay. <laughs> I was going to tell you a COVID joke, but I figured 99.8% of you would never get it. But anyway, uh, so, uh, but, uh, but anyway, so we take your Bible and go with me, please, to the book of Psalms, and we're going to the 19th division of the Psalms. And if you want to put something over in Proverbs chapter 15, we'll go there in just a few minutes. So we're going to the 19th Psalm, and then we're going to go to Proverbs 15. If you were to ask me, Pastor Raven, what do you think are the three essential ingredients to have a happy Christian life? Marriage. All right? If you were to say, what are the three key ingredients? Ingredient number one is Christ. Like I talked about this morning, n- nobody else is going to fulfill every desire and need you have in your life. If you don't know Jesus tonight, listen, there's no greater need in your life. After this service, I'd be glad to sit down and talk with you, Sharon, or I know Pastor Wood or, or um, Joy or, or Kenny, Becky, probably several folks in this room. Could do that. You, you. If you don't have Christ, you cannot have a happy Christian marriage. Um, now, Christian marriage is not just two Christians living in the same house. Christian marriage is two Christians submitted to Jesus Christ living together. And uh, and so, you, number one, you got to have Christ. Number two, I would say you have to have commitment, commitment, because there are, as we talked about this morning, the good days and the bad days. There are the up times and the down times. There are. The times of great fulfillment and the times of great frustration. So you got to have commitment till death do us part. Got in this thing for life, and uh, you know. So it takes commitment. But if you were to ask me the three top ingredients, it would be Christ, it'd be commitment, and then it's going to be the subject we're going to talk about tonight: communication. Um, you 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 ought to continually be working. At this matter of being a better communicator one of the things I do in my life most every week of my life is I publicly preach or teach three times or more a week all right so I've been preaching a long time I preached my first sermon September the 29th 1974 I was a 15 year old young man never knew I was gonna be a preacher I just did it because a little country church I grew up in our teen Sunday school teachers were just awesome people, and they asked our pastor, could the teenagers take over the service on the fifth Sunday? It's a little country church, 30, 40 people, and um, and so so we had three boys and a girl. We didn't think girls were supposed to preach, so the other two boys had preached already, and so the next fifth Sunday after we started, it was my turn to preach, September the ninth, 1974. I was going to be a cardiac surgeon that's what I was going to do in life I desired since I was a small boy to be some kind of medical doctor and then I got interested in the, in in cardiology and and when I went to high school um, I went and uh, my dad took me over and we sat down with my family doctor who had been my parents they were he was my parents doctor he was my grandparents doctors some of you will remember they used to be general practitioners uh, there aren't any of those anymore I don't think very much but, uh, but anyway, Dr. Moffat probably had an alternative motive. He probably really wanted me to come back and go into practice with him, but I had no interest in general practitioner. And, uh, and I wanted to be a cardiac surgeon. And so I went, to, I went over, we sat down, we, we mapped out all my high school classes. Uh, I took two years of Latin because that's all they taught in my high school. And then I took Spanish because I'm one of those kind of weird dudes. I, I fell in love with foreign language when I, when I went in Latin. And, um, and, um, and so, I, I, you know, I took all the math, trig, and calculus, and took all the sciences, physics, and chemistry, and, uh, you know, just, you, just, you name it. I, I took it just so I could get into med school, because a lot of people go pre-med and never make it med school. And so, two out of the five members on the Board of Regents of the University of Alabama-Birmingham Medical College were classmates of Dr. Moffitt. So, he was going to help me get in there. And, uh, anyway, I preached that morning. Man. I had never done something Brother Daniel It was so fun. I mean, for 40 minutes, 45 minutes, I, I got to explain the Bible, preach the Bible. Now, don't go back and try to find that tape, okay? It would be terrible, reel to reel probably. But anyway, uh, uh, you know, it, 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 but man, I thoroughly enjoyed preaching. And so I got invited about 30 times over the next nine months in a lot of little country churches. God never called me to preach. I was just preaching. Matter of fact, I'd kind of reasoned out in my mind that I, the only real life missionary I'd ever met in my life was a medical missionary to Ivory Coast now, Cote d'Ivoire, and um, and so I kind of reasoned out in my mind maybe God let me be a medical missionary, and uh, and so anyway, but then God called me to preach June 17, seventy five, and um, and and I've been preaching most of my life since then. Really, to be honest about it. And, and, and but you know what? I want to be a better preacher. I want to be a better communicator. I I want to be able to, I I love it, love it, love it. When I'm preaching or teaching and I see the light come on in somebody. I mean, there's just something about it. It may be be something new to them. It may be something they've been trying to comprehend and try to get a hold of. And all of a sudden, I've seen it in so many eyes. They just got it. They understood it. And I think, whoo, here it is, Lord. Man, what a privilege. But you know what? Long before I want to be a communicator in a pulpit, I want to be a communicator in our home. And I'm just like you fellas, okay? Let's just be honest. We talk in headlines. God bless you, Joe. Uh, We talk in headlines. Women talk in fine print, okay? And, and, And so I have to work at being an effective communicator to this lady. And communication, I believe this 100%, is a learned skill. And I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about how to do it. And I'll I'll try to get that. I'm going to go through some stuff here rather quick to get to where I want to be, all right? So you found Psalm 19? Would you read Psalm 19, verse 14, out loud together with me, and we'll just... That's all we'll read right now. We'll read maybe a little later in Proverbs. You ready? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Is that a mouthful of what? That little country church I grew up in, when Sunday school was over, we all gathered in the auditorium, and we had the Sunday School benediction. Any of you ever been in a church like what I'm talking about? All right, it may be a South Alabama thing. All right, we gathered in Sunday when Sunday school was over. Everybody came to the auditorium, and the Sunday School superintendent got behind the pulpit, and he'd say, "Let's say the Sunday School benediction." You know what the Sunday School benediction was? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O oh, Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. I probably have said that. I mean, I, I, we didn't miss church. My dad never took a vote. We're going to church today. Y'all want to go to church today? Y'all going tonight? We're going to go Wednesday night? No, 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 no. I had a drug problem growing up. He drugged me there Sunday morning. He drugged me there Sunday night, and he drugged me there Wednesday night. All right? Matter of fact, my daddy knew you was having revival, and it wasn't a Sunday or Wednesday night. We went over to your church to be in the revival. He wasn't a preacher, but he just loved the Lord, and he just, I, I, you know, we just went to church. And I'm glad we did, all right? But, but listen to me. The psalmist said, words of my mouth are connected with the meditation of my heart. Jesus said it this way. Out of the abundance of the heart, anybody know the rest of the statement? The mouth, the mouth speaketh. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity for a few moments to open the Bible and to give some instruction, information to these dear people, I pray you'd help me to be an effective communicator right now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right? Introduction statement number one. Communication is the exchange of information and involves much more than words. If if all you think of when you think of communication is what you say, then you're, you're never going to be a better communicator. I, I think as much as what I say is what you hear. And do you understand that many people say one thing and others hear a different thing? You you, you ever played the game gossip? You know what I'm talking about? Where where one person whispers to another person, whispers to another person, whispers to another. And and the difference between the first person and the last person, it's amazing, isn't it? There's so much more to communication than just speaking words. But your words are powerful. Statement number two, your words have the power to build bridges or burn bridges between you and your mate. One of my, you're, you're there in Proverbs 15. If you are, you can leave a Bible marker there. We will come back there. I want to take you over a couple more books to the right. Go to the Song of Solomon. Who wouldn't want to have a couple's treat and not talk about the Song of Solomon? Amen. I'm telling you, the Song of Solomon is a precious book. It is a love story between Solomon and one of his wives. I'm not suggesting you get 699 more, but, uh, but it, it is a love story. I want you to look with me at the song we're in chapter number one, would you please? Psalm, Song of Solomon, chapter number one. I want, you to, I want you to listen to what is said. It says, this, this is her. Tell me, O thou whom my soul loveth. Where thou feedest, where thou makest thy flock to rest at noon. For why should I be as one that turneth aside by the flocks of thy companions? If thou know not, O oh, thou fairest among I'm sorry, it goes from her to him now. If thou know, if thou know not, O oh, thou fairest among women, go thy way forth by the footsteps of the flock, and feed thy kids beside the shepherds' tents. I have compared thee, O oh, my love, to a company of horses and Pharaoh's chariots. You say, that's not very much. Well, I promise you, when Pharaoh's chariots came to town, people stood up and took notice. They were beautiful. They were attired. They were decked out to the T. All right, Uh, look at look at what he said, verse. Ten, thy cheeks are comely with rows of jewel, thy necks with chains of gold. We will make thee borders of gold with studs of silver. While the king sitteth at his table, my spikenard sendeth forth the smell thereof. A bundle of myrrh is my well beloved unto me. He shall lie all night. Let us go back between them. I'm sorry, I haven't divided every time. He shall lie all night between my betwixt my breasts. My beloved is unto me as a cluster of camphor in the vineyards of Engedi. The the. the Analogy there doesn't reach us because you and I don't live in Israel, right? But can I just tell you, in gedi is one of the most beautiful places we've ever been, right? It's unbelievable. It's, it's a place where, where, where Saul was when David could have killed him. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. Back and forth, Solomon and his bride are saying what sometimes we call sweet nothings. Your words build a bridge between you and your mate, or they burn a bridge between you and your mate? You're there in Proverbs. Look at there in chapter 15, just a moment. Chapter 15. Look at verse 1. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Here's a, here's a lesson that probably most of us have to relearn. What I say either puts out a fire, or adds fuel to a fire. Your, your husband and wife said something to you, and you really didn't like it, and it ticked you off, and so you decided you'd just, you'd just give it back to them? What did that do? That didn't help anything. It just, it just motivated a flurry of words. You know, when Cher and I first got married, um, I'd never lived with a woman, so I had no idea what it's going to be like. And then when I started living with her, I thought, wow, I didn't know she was like that. You know, when, when you're dating, it's a whole lot of different world than when you're married. And, and, and she didn't know I was like that. And, and, and we had to learn. And we, in the learning process, the only way to really learn each other is to communicate back and forth back and forth back and forth communication I, I call this session communication a two-way street uh, you, you you either use your words to pull you get together draw you together or to drive you apart and and, and the words are the most powerful weapon maybe a human being has ever been given. Let let me give you, I'm going to give it to you quick because I know what time it is. Number one, the priority of communication. Our speech is an accurate barometer of our heart attitude. Our speech is an accurate barometer of our heart attitude. Out of the abundance of the heart, I said a few moments ago, Jesus said, the mouth speaketh. Uh, Another place, he said, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things, and the evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. What, what, What is down in your heart will come out. And to learn to control your heart is to learn to control your tongue. What you think about when you're apart from your husband or wife is what you're going to talk about when you're together with your husband and wife. If you love something, you talk about it. If you love someone, you talk about them. I could spend... With the average fellow in this room, I could spend a couple of hours, and at the end of those hours, I would tell you what is really important to him. You could do the same. You could spend a couple hours with me, and you'd find out what really is in my heart. If you and I just sat down and and talked. Number two, talking about the priority, a good communicator realizes that all the senses are a vital part of giving and receiving information or thoughts. Here's some statistics I read. Now, I have two sons who are tremendously intelligent. They think probably more than their dad. And so they tell me that, Seventy-eight percent of all statistics are made up on the spot. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what they say. Uh, But here's some statistics I read. They they said they don't use those statistics. Nobody cares. There you go. Fifty-five percent of communications body language. Thirty-eight percent of communications voice tone or inflection. Only seven percent of communication is by the words that we speak. How you say it. When you say it. Where you say it all reveals why you say it. The the next statement. A good communicator listens and responds to feedback he or she receives. A good communicator listens and responds to feedback. A back and forth. If all you do is talk, you're a terrible communicator. You gotta listen. Now, now, when I come in a new setting like this, I don't know you and you don't know me. The only people I know are the Keelys, all right? So when I come in a setting like this, I I've got to pick out people who I think are listening and read them while I'm speaking. Now, in my pulpit, it's easy. I've been with the same people. 39 years I've been preaching to them uh, almost three times a week for 23 years. So I have people scattered over my congregation. They have no idea who they are. But I read them in different sections of our main floor of the balcony, and I read them, and I figure out, am I getting my point across? I'm not talking about people that's got their heads bowed and their eyes closed and praying for me. You know, I know I only know some people by the top of their head. You know, and they walk up to me, I said, Would you bow your head a minute? Oh, okay, I know who you are. And uh so, so I I read them. A- and and when they're with me, I'm good. When they're not with me, particularly if I look at a couple of three of them across our congregation and they're not with me, my people that I know usually are with me, then I in my spirit, in my heart, pray out, cry out to God. Lord, give me another illustration to help this point. I'm trying to persuade people to understand from your word. So a good communicator gets feedback. He or she listens. They respond. We were in a a marriage treat like this several years ago, and um, Sharon and I were younger. We didn't have any grandchildren. I think all three of our kids may have been teenagers uh, then and um, and so we decided that that year we had a speaker that was a little older and we decided that we would let him have a grandparents only session we always split like you do men and women but that year we he taught the grandparents and I taught the rest of the couples in the split session he spoke in the general sessions and so in my general session I mean in my split session I talked about a woman's intuition I am a strong believer that a woman has an intuition that none of us men can even comprehend. Okay, uh, if, if if I were to tell Joe, Joe, I don't think you can trust Albert. The reason I would tell Joe that is because I would have seen Albert take a dollar bill that wasn't his. But 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 it, um, uh, I've lost it. It's not Sue. Uh, give me your name, Melissa. If, if Melissa told Angie. I don't believe you can trust or told me you can't trust Angie. And I'd say why to Melissa? She'd say, Well, I just feel it. A woman doesn't have to have a rational reason why she's arrived at a conclusion. I don't, and that, that is funny, but I don't mean it derogatory. She just knows. I could give you some illustrations of things Sharon has told me, particularly about people, that 98 of the percent of the time she's spot on she is spot on why because a woman just has that built-in intuition that 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 a man we're, we're oblivious to you know it's got to hit me right straight in the forehead for me to understand it you know and, and and so so we're 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 talking about this intuition well we get in the next session and the, and the main speaker speaking And in the middle of his speaking, he said, you know, he said, some of these people get carried away on woman's intuition. He said, I believe that's about the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Well, when he says that, those younger couples that have been in there with me, two or three of them go, (laughs) you know, because pastors just said it. And so he is so perceptive, he looks right at me and he said, now, Brother Tim, do I believe in a woman's intuition? I said, yes, sir, Brother Dan, I just taught on it last session. He said, Pastor's right, and I'm wrong. And he said, yes, we believe in a woman's intuition. But you know what? He got the feedback. He he wasn't oblivious to who he was talking to. So so there's the priority of communication. Secondly, there are the problems of communication. And I'm just going to give them to you. I'm not even going to spend any time. Number one, misunderstandings. Inaccurate perceptions of one another. Inaccurate perceptions of one another. Number two, assumptions, assumptions, just taking something for granted. You know, I'll give you a perfect example. Sharon didn't do this today to be an example, but this afternoon, my wife and my daughter. Do you know what Marco Polo is? I'm not talking about playing the game when you're in the pool. All right, Marco Polo. It's a it's a video app that you can chit chat with people and. And so Sharon and Joy are on a Marco Polo this afternoon, and they're trying to get Joy a outfit to have a picture made in. And and listening to them, I thought seriously that President Trump had called them, and he was trying to make a major policy decision this afternoon. And if Sharon and Joy didn't give his input, there's no way that that cream sweater was going to go with that blue dress because they were all going to see the president, you know? Well, they were just trying to get a picture taken. And, but, but you know, that's how a woman communicates. And, and, and if I just assume that I understand, I, most of the time I'm wrong. Okay? So, so assumptions of a problem. Number three, unrealistic expectations. Boy, I, I'd love to count there, but I won't. Unrealistic expectations. Number four, blame. You, 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 want, you want to shut down communication? Blame your mate for something. That'll shut it down. Number five, disagreements. I don't think it's wrong to disagree. I just believe that when you disagree, you ought to disagree in a proper manner. Here's a book, and I'm I'm probably going to mention another book or two tonight. When I mention a book, it doesn't mean that everything's in the book I agree with and the author and I are the best buds in the whole wide world, okay? So if that's... Well, you think of a book, sorry, just forget it. Here's a book, though, I'll tell you what every one of us can profit from. Sharon, and I taught this to couples in our church. It's How to Fight for Your Marriage Without Fighting One Another. It's written by Dr. Raymond Force. Do you know who Dr. Raymond is? I don't know him. I have no idea. Never met him in the whole wide world. He pastors a church in Ocala, Florida. That's all I know. But but you know what you know what Dr. Force says in that book? How to fight for your marriage without fighting. One another he give he gives one key to the man one key to the woman the, the key to the man I don't remember the key to the woman the key to the man he has treat your wife like you would treat the CEO of your company he said if you the way you'd respond to your CEO that's how that's how to talk to your wife Wow how many of you have yelled at your CEO lately but anyway I don't know what the wife's one was, was. You know, okay, I shouldn't have asked. Sorry. Uh, it was really good. Sharon taught it. Um, but, but Dr. Force in his book says that when you're having a disagreement, put the issue on the table, stop all discussion if it's got out of hand, and come back to it five minutes later. He said, I guarantee you, five minutes later, it won't even be important. So, so, so the blame game is a is an endless game, disagreements an endless game. Here's where I want to get to. Whew, sorry. The process. The process. I'm going to give you 10 keys to have proper communication. Number one, always choose the right time and place to talk seriously. If you're there in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 23, it says, A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good is it? I believe that timing is one of the key ingredients to communication. When Sharon and I first got married, we didn't know any better, okay? We used to wait till we'd go to bed, bedtime. discuss an issue that we knew was explosive you know what that does to bedtime it ruins it you know you you, you need we don't I say we don't that I shouldn't say that because we'll go back to the hotel tonight and do but (laughs) we try not to, to bring up explosive issues at bedtime we try not to bring up a subject that we know could be a source of contention at, at, at bedtime. Because when it's bedtime, it's time to go to bed. <laughs> that, was a, that was a brilliant statement. Write that down somewhere and pass it on to your children. Um, but, but, but choose the right time, the right place. Now, let me tell you one of the places is never the right place. It's never the right place in front of your children. Your your children don't need to ever have the thought in their mind, mom and dad are a little miffed at each other. Now, you can be miffed, and everybody's going to get miffed, but they don't need to know it. Child doesn't need to live under the threat that mom and dad are upset. They they need to think of mom and dad as as unified, not divided. Number two, maintain an attitude of respect for your mate. Here's a principle that we taught our children. We ingrained this principle in their mind. You are never responsible for someone else's actions, but you're always responsible for your reaction. So I'm never responsible for what she says or how she says it or when she says it, but I'm always responsible for mine. So I always have to maintain an attitude of respect. And listen, honestly. You, I could not explain to you the respect I have in my my heart and mind for my wife. She's a she's a spiritual woman. She walks with the Lord every day. I mean, she probably has a a better walk with the Lord than I do. I mean, she's just she's 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 constant in the Bible. Constant. If I have a prayer need, I take it to her. I mean, I got a text this afternoon from a pastor in another state. He texted, he said, 19 of us across the country and said, I need you to go to prayer and I'm have to make a decision that's going to affect the rest of my life. Well, so we, we were on the way over here when I got that text. Don't text and drive, I didn't. I just read text and drive. But, but, but uh, I think we we're at a stoplight, maybe. All right, but anyway. And so I just took her by the hand and I said, let's pray for him. He's a friend of ours. And we just prayed. I the we stoplight. I know where it's stoplight now. And um, just prayed for him. You, you, you ought to have always be respectful. You, 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 never, you never have a right to disrespect your husband or wife. You say, wait a minute, Pastor Raymond. You have no idea what he's done. I don't. But I know this. You're not responsible for his actions. You're responsible for your reaction. Number three. Forget yourself when you talk with your mate. Now, boy, you told talking about something hard to do? Forget yourself. People who are self-absorbed are poor communicators. You, you, you know what a lot of us do when we're having a conversation with our husband or wife? We're planning our next statement. We're figuring out how we're going to rebut them, respond to them, correct them, direct them. Forget about yourself. Number four, it may be good to restate your mate's communication in order to clarify what they said or restate your mate's communication in order to clarify what they said or clarify how you interpreted what they said. I read this on the office wall. It's been years ago now. I have no idea what kind of office I was in. But they had a plaque on the wall that read, I know you believe you understood what you think I said, but I'm not sure you realize that what you heard is not what I meant. Did you get that? I know you believe you understood what you think I said, but I'm not sure you realize that what you heard is not what I meant. If, if you can't tell your husband or wife, boy, I've been guilty of this a lot of times. When you talk as much as I do, you're, you're just guilty of being a talker. Okay, you know. It's like when I first became pastor, our teen, our children were all teenagers when I became pastor. Well, Joy probably wasn't; she's was probably about 11. But um, uh, we'd get home on church Sunday night, we'd be eating supper, and and particularly the boys more than Joy because you know she's a girl and she loves her daddy. Uh, and so you know they'd say, Daddy, you know what you said today? I said no I have no idea but I'm sure you do and when you talk as much as I do on Sunday you're gonna say something stupid so go ahead and tell me and they'd tell me and we'd laugh and it'd be all right okay it wasn't wasn't I was mad at them or upset at them but but I, you know I just say a lot of dumb things you, you ever said something about the time it came out your mouth you want to go <laughs> it just doesn't work that way but 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 be clear and if you're not clear Ask for clarification. See, a good communicator always waits for feedback. He he doesn't keep moving. She doesn't keep going on. Number five, never communicate in a condescending or accusatory manner. Never communicate in a condescending or accusatory manner. That's an instant turnoff. And, and, and it's going to get one of two reactions. Whew, let's go at it, or I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Either defense or withdrawal. But because because you, you talk down. My goal is, and I don't live up to it like I want to, but my goal is when Sharon and I are through communicating and about to go our separate ways, that the last thought in her mind is he loves me and he's my husband who wants to help me. I don't don't want her to have in her thought, he's whatever, angry, he's mad. He thinks he's always right. Number six, concentrate on, uh, concentrate, I'm sorry, on the positive in your conversations with your mate. Concentrate on the positives. We, we, we naturally concentrate on negatives. It's easier to critique than to compliment. I I, I, I could come in a setting like this and say, I don't know of anything. I'm just having to make up something. (laughs) Do do they not know that that L on the second L is um, a quarter inch above the left L? Okay. I don't think it is, but I had to pick on something, okay? But instead of walking in here and saying, wow, how much time did somebody have to spend for this to happen? Amen. It's a lot easier to critique. And, and critics are a dime a dozen. <laughs> I have so many critics. A, a, you know, nothing worse than an anonymous critic. Now, my my pastor emeritus, Dr. Randy Cox, I've served on 16 years on his staff, and I've been his pastor now almost 23 years. And uh, he had a rule, Brother Keeley, that I wished I could do. He never read anonymous letters. If you First thing he looked for was a signature. And if you didn't have a signature on it, he threw it in the garbage. <laughs> I'm just too curious. <laughs> but the worst things I've ever read are anonymous letters. I, got, I, still, I, I, I kept the, the last major one I got, about 15 pages, telling me exactly all the things I do wrong. On a daily basis, you know, in their opinion. You, you, you want to learn how to compliment. You want to u- use terms of endearment. N- number, number seven, our letter G, communicate with regularity. Communicate with regularity. Communication is something that has to happen every Not once in a great while. You, you know how yeah, fellas are. We, we think if, if, if I buy her a big gift, then that will carry me for 16 months. You know? You, you know what she'd rather have? She'd rather have a lot of small little insignificant things given to her that show I'm constantly thinking about her. Back when our children were young, I traveled by myself when I was out preaching. And, and um, if I was driving, if I was less than six hours on the closing night of the meeting I was in, I'd drive home because I wanted to be home with Sharon and with our kids. And um uh, and so one night I remember coming home, I think it was about two or three o'clock in the morning, and and so I always bought her something, I always bought the children something. I brought it back. Not anything significant most of the time. I I bought her a dress at Belk. You probably don't have a Belk store out here, but we have, do you have a Belk store down here? You do? Uh, But anyway, Belk was, it used to be a man's best friend because we were Belk elite members, so that meant they gift wrap things. If I gift wrap it, you know I have tried. It did not look very well, but you know I tried, okay? So I'd go to Belk, and I'd let them gift wrap it for free. And so, so I went to Belk, bought her a dress, got it gift wrapped. And I got a card. They had these little cards there for free. You just pick them up. So I got the card and I wrote her a little note on this card about Sharon. I miss being with you this week. I love you. I'm glad to be home. Blah, 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 blah. She she wakes up, of course, because I've come home. You know, I understand. But anyway, and so I go ahead and give her a gift, all right? It's two or three o'clock in the morning. And, and I think she's just going to be blown away by this dress. I think it's a beautiful dress. I think it's just her color. She's winter and, and all this kind of good stuff, you know. And, uh, and so she gets through and she opens up and she thanks me for it. She said, Oh, but this card. And I'm thinking, I could have picked that card up at Belt for free. <laughs> it, it wasn't the money I spent on the dress, it was the card. Listen to me, you gotta communicate regularly. And and in the day and age we live in, there's really no reason not to communicate. You can text, you can email, you can call. You know, that the phone wasn't made to call on, but anyway, you can actually do that on the phone. And uh, you know what, you need to communicate. You need to communicate with regularity. It needs to be a common thing that you and your husband or you and your wife sit down Without any distraction, you say, man, we got kids. Let, put them to bed. It wouldn't, it wouldn't kill them to go to bed. And sit down and talk. Communicate. Be honest and open. Share what's on your heart. I read a statement years ago said, many people get married before they know each other and divorced when they do. Not if you'll be a good communicator. When our kids were growing up, all three of our children played fall, winter, and spring sports in our school. So we used those games as communication time. Matter of fact, what we did in those days is she would read a book to me, read a book to us, I reckon, and we would discuss what's in the book. On marriage mostly in child rearing now we don't we may read the same book but we don't we don't have one copy of the book she underlines God said take your highlighter and highlight your book so you can follow what's in there so but she underlines I don't underline I highlight matter of fact my kids if they see one of my books they say, daddy you would do better to highlight the things you didn't like instead of the things you do like sometimes I'll highlight four paragraphs on a page because it's all good. <laughs> so, so communicate. Have times that you talk. N- number eight, ask questions which cannot be answered with a yes or no. Ask questions which cannot be answered with a yes or no. You, you, so I, I guarantee you, I don't know who you are, and I don't want you to look at me and smile right now, okay? But, but there's some of you ladies right now are thinking. I just wish he'd communicate. Well, let me tell you, if you ask him enough questions, he eventually has to talk. And people respond to questions much better than accusations. Here, here's here, here's two words that are never proper in communication: always and never. I use them in some of these ten rules, but 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 always is never true. You know, you always no, I don't always. If I'm a man, I thought of one time I didn't. <laughs> you never take out the trash. Oh yeah, I took out the trash one time. I do remember that. So that immediately negates everything else you're going to tell me. So so ask questions that can't be answered with a yes or no. They're they're questions that probe their heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Number nine, keep a sense of humor. Keep a sense of humor. If you can't laugh at yourself, you will not be a good communicator. You've got to keep a good sense of humor. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. You know, some of the best times Sharon and I have ever spent together in these 41 years was when we were laughing. You know, sometimes people t- accuse me of using humor in, in my preaching teaching. I've had people say, oh, you, you yes, yes. You. You know, I'm like Spurgeon. Spurgeon was accused of using too much humor. He said if they only knew what I didn't say that I thought about, <laughs> you know. I have to miss some especially if somebody starts laughing at what i'm saying oh that's like saying sick them to a dog you know i'll tell you another one because i got another joke all right but 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 between you keep a sense of humor be able to laugh at things enjoy life life's too short i mean we've only had 41 years together but you understand we probably don't have 41 more years together i don't think it was last year it may have been last year may have been before it was either 19 or 18. I was preaching a meeting about 35, 40 minutes from home, a Monday through a Friday night. And so I just drove back and forth every day. And one of the nights, two of the nights, I think, actually, but one of the nights, Sharon was with me, and we were talking. Yeah, it, was, it would have been 18 uh, because we were coming up on our 40th anniversary. And, and sometimes, you know, I, I'm, we both are, but a sentimental type, you know. And so we got to talking about what God had done for us in the 40 years we've been married. And the fact that we probably would not spend another 40 years together. One of us would probably go to heaven first, I pray it's me. I will not do good without my wife. Uh, So much so, our pastor married us, his wife went home to be the Lord about 10 years ago. He remarried about a year and a half later, married a pastor's widow, she'd been a widow 21 years. And so Sharon took the time to talk to all three of my children and said, if something happens to me before dad, uh, your daddy's going to remarry because your daddy can't live by himself. He will not make it. And so don't get mad at your daddy. Uh, I just have one request. I request that y'all not continue to live in the house that we're living in. I would like, I would not like another lady to come in my house, and so I'll honor that if I can. No, I'm joking. And, uh, but, but, you know, um, I don't even know what my point is now, but it was good. <laughs> oh, <and> She's left-handed. <laughs> yeah, humor, that's it. Uh, so, you know, but, but, you know, keep a sense of humor. I, I get real sentimental real quick, and, and I have to, we have to laugh. Because, man, I, 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 I'll be honest, that night we were talking, going back home. It was only 35 minutes, thank God. And uh, But, you know, we were both crying about, you know, what it would be like to, have to be here by uh, without the other one. And, uh, but, you know, it's good to laugh. And it's all right to be sentimental every once in a while. But uh, keep a sense of humor. And then number 10, and we'll be through, keep your attitudes and thoughts sweet and godly. Keep your attitudes and thoughts sweet and godly. You know, if, if your words are going to be sweet, if they're going to be soft, if they're going to be sensitive, if they're going to be strengthening, th- then your thought process, got. We're, we're all the way back to where we started. Psalm 1914, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. You know what? I learned a long time ago that if I thought right and spoke right in God's sight, I'd always think right and speak right to this lady. What does God see when he looks down in your heart tonight? See, you don't have to speak it for God to know it. Because that same passage where Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart and mouth speak it, I think it's about two verses down from that, it says we're going to give account for every idle word. Those things we didn't even say, but we thought them. you got to keep your thoughts sweet and godly if your speech is going to be soft, sensitive, strengthening. psalmist said it. I think he said it well. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord my strength and my redeemer. I don't know what kind of communicator you are. You may be a very good communicator and if you are your husband or wife are to treasure you. You may be a very poor communicator And if you are, you are determined tonight, I'm going to work on this thing. I'll give you another book and I'll be through. You'll like the title if you don't even like the book, okay? It's written by Kevin Lehman. My wife says that Kevin Lehman did not write the book. She said, ain't a man in the world thinks like that. His wife wrote the book, but he's the (laughs) name, okay? The book is entitled Sex Begins in the Kitchen. That immediately grabbed every man's mind in this room right here, all right? Just like that, all right? You can say things at a marriage retreat you can't say on Sunday morning, all right? Sex begins in the kitchen. You know what the whole book's about? Communication. Communication. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength. If you're a poor communicator, your husband or wife doesn't have to tell you. You know it. What you need to ask the Lord is, help me to be a better communicator. That's a talker? Sure. That's a listener? Sure. That's a responder? Sure. That's a receiver? Sure. It's a two-way street. You ever been in a one-way conversation? Where all you get to say is "uh-huh, yeah, okay, uh-huh, yeah, oh, yeah, good, yeah, uh-huh, yeah." We we we've got some of those members, <laughs> you know. You don't they they don't want you to say anything. They just want you to go "uh-huh, okay, yeah, okay, uh-huh, yeah, oh, wow." But that can't be the way it is between us. If it is, it's not going to make our marriage be what God wants it to be. Let's bow our heads and pray together, and maybe take your mate by the hand. and And um, you may not hear. I understand that we're in a close setting. You to take the lead in this. Just talk to your wife, sir, about your communication. Don't do it in a condescending, accusatory manner. Don't do it in a defensive mode. Just say, you know, what, what Brother Raven talked about tonight is, is really a need for me. <laughs> you know, not for us or for you, for me. If It is a real need. Or, or maybe you'd say, you know, we, we've, we've tried to work at this thing, but maybe we need to work a little more. I know I need to look, work a little more. Why don't you just right now commit it to the Lord? Father, we we thank you for the gift of marriage. <laughs> that, that sixth day of the creative week, somewhere, I think probably a few minutes after you made Adam, you said, he ain't going to make it. <laughs> he needs a wife. You made us to be social beings. I, I fear that what we're going through now with COVID is is hurt so many people because it's separated them from from other people. Lord, you never intended for man to be isolated. So, Lord, help us in our homes. Help me, dear Lord. I don't want to preach to others and I myself be a castaway. I want to be a communicator. Help me to listen and learn to respond, to receive. Lord, I realize it starts down in my heart. My heart for you and my heart for sharing. So keep my heart pure, right, holy, pure, godly. When we're together, when we're apart. So that when we are together, It's sweet and strengthening and sensitive. It's soft. Your word said, a soft answer turneth away wrath. Help us, Lord. Help me. Help these couples. In Jesus' name.